Welcome back. This is the Soul Back R&B Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle. Wait a minute. I'm not Kyle. Why am I hosting? What's going on, Ed? <laughs> Play. I was like, <laughs> Kyle, what body this, swapping went on? This is Tom filling in for Kyle. And Ed, where is Kyle? You know, usually this is around the time that I say something terrible about Kyle. But I will say I'm a little jealous. My man is globe trotting, getting his travel on with his loved ones so shout out to my man Kyle he's now annoying people on a whole other continent thank you Ed you've just proven to the readers and the listeners that you don't listen to the podcast you're not on because whenever you're not around and we ask where you are we always diss you oh I already know trust and believe (laughs) it's coming but I do my dissing in person so you can get all of the the venom (laughs) all right all right so before we get into some of the music, I got to ask you some a food question. We always love to talk about food. Ed, let me ask you a serious question. Do they have pizza down there? Did you just ask if they have pizza down there? Yes, it's a serious Not question. In- and, and, and a part two of that, is it edible if they do have it? Well, first of all, it's not Antarctica, so I don't know where you think it is. Yes, there is a multitude of pizza options. And I was going to say they don't sell it on the street in the giant slices, but I was told a couple (laughs) weeks ago that apparently there is a place around here that does that. So, yes, you can get your pizza options down here, along with them hands next time I see you. Oh, boy. All right, just making sure. You never know. I mean, I know you like your, your frozen pizza. So frozen I guess pizza. it's good to know they serve it down there. Well, first of all, don't knock the the tombstone until you try it, dog. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the music. It's been a little bit of a slow week release-wise, so not much new stuff to talk about. Have you heard anything anything good lately that's been stuck on your playlist then? Absolutely not. And I don't say that as a diss because it's certainly not been like a multitude of garbage. But as far as the last time we hooked up, there's not really been a lot of new stuff in the world of R&B. The biggest thing that has kind of been circulating, of course, um, John B. and Donnell's biggest single. So that's still the talk of the town. Otherwise, we're just kind of in a holding pattern until we get some new stuff later this month. I'm actually waiting for new albums to come out. And you know I always track that, see what's coming soon. And there's not too, too much on the radar, but there is this one artist. And he just revealed the cover art and track list for his upcoming album. That's for Sean Patterson. I know we're both looking forward to that one. Yes, we are. He is an artist that often flies under the radar. But most fans of R&B, most listeners here know what a great talent he is. And I'm really looking forward to his next project and that should be landing in just a few weeks from the release of this episode absolutely and we'll have him on the show in the coming weeks we already reached out to a label so we're going to make that happen that'll be a good one um ed let me ask you a question where were you in 2000 the year 2000 the year 2000 i was still i'm gonna date myself for you youngins in the house the year 2000 i was chilling i was working at well, it's now called GameStop, but it was called Babbage's back then, a video game place. I was in my home state of VA my junior year of college, sophomore year, junior year, something like that. Living a life as a college student, getting in trouble and whatnot. Well, let me ask you, during that year, did you by chance pick up Joe's classic album, My Name is Joe? I did pick up that album. Yep, that just celebrated its 19th birthday this past week man what do you think about that album that album now i have had many debates online because i've long said and i think joe is i think due for one of those patented soul and stereo ranking posts because i don't think i've done that one yet Mm. but anyway i think that although i kind of prefer just off the top of my head um his 1997 joint a little bit more all that i am this one still has got some bangers on it because of course stutter is the big record from that but my personal favorite is that remix with Mariah and Nas, Thank God I yes. Found You. And I guess you can figure why I like that remix so much. Absolutely. And I know Joe is definitely one of the biggest artists on our on our site for certain. People would love to see him come back with some new music. But man, a lot of people would probably assume this is his best album. I'd probably say maybe his second best. Do you agree with that? 
Oh, no question. And a lot of times there is a big argument can, can be made that this is Joe's best album. I need to go back and revisit all of them. I love yeah. I love when y'all challenge me with those ranking posts because it gives <laughs> me a chance to just digest them all at one time. So it's easier to kind of pick and not necessarily go off of memory. My, um, all That I Am is definitely one that has kind of stuck with me more. But My Name is Joe, you cannot hate on that one. If it's not Absolutely. number one, it's the closest. Absolutely. Thanks to everyone who's been chiming in on social media and all the uh, posts we've been making, asking, you know, if, who had certain albums, you know, celebrating anniversaries, birthdays of albums. Uh, for those who haven't checked it out, our friend Ed has his own cipher, which he hosts on Facebook. Ed, have you guys had any interesting discussions over there lately? Oh, good Lord. Play it. A cipher is always on fire. <laughs> um, by the time this episode released, we already had the kind of the release of the Avengers movie because that's been the talk of the town. But in the world of R&B, most of the fans have just been like you. A lot of times those conversations that that are happening on Instagram specifically over on, you know, I got Soul Sight, kind of drift over into our space as well where we can have more long-form conversations about some of these pieces that have come out. And one that we were talking about recently was the best, <laughs> speaking of Joe, the best feature that Joe has done in the past few well past few years. You had four. Mm. Which were the four ones that you put up there? So still not a player with Big Pun. No Guarantee mm-hmm. Remix with Chico DeBarge. Uh, Faded Pictures with Case. And the one you mentioned, the Mariah and Nas song. Thank God I found you. So which one are you going with? Oh, man. It depends what mood I'm in, to be honest. It's like... Do I want a party anthem? I'm going with the pun song. Do I want something chill? I'm probably going with Chico DeBarge song. Do I want something for any time? I'm probably going with the Mariah song. You know, do I want a slower ballad? I'm probably going with the K song. So it's like, it depends what mood I'm in. That's not a fair answer, but I can't answer that. Well, you made the, you can't put the question out into the universe without having a sufficient <laughs> answer. I got one for you, though. My pick is Faded Pictures. And I know that most people be like, oh, why didn't you pick the Make It Last remix? Because, of course, it's my man. I would do that. But nothing, I don't know. It's, when I think of all my favorite just kind of duets, and when you've got two male singers on a record, and that's why we were so excited about that John B. and Donnell Jones collabo. But when you got two of them on a record that just mesh and mend as perfectly as Joe and Case did on Faded Pictures, absolutely right. love it. I'm with you though. Absolutely. I love the the big fun the big pun remix. Although personally, mm-hmm. and this is just me talking, I prefer the original version with the OJ's a little bit more. Now that version mm. don't play it around your grandma because it's super nasty. <laughs> but Joe never goes wrong. Let me let me bring up another anniversary we had 2002. Truth Hurts released her song Addictive. That would that celebrated its seventeenth anniversary a couple of days ago. Man, what do you think about that song? Oh player. Now this is the talk where everybody's gonna get annoyed with me. I uh. was never a big fan of that song, player. I'm not saying it's a bad song. It's a well crafted song, but I think it was just overplayed. I, now in two thousand two I was living in Louisville at this point. So they were just playing that thing to death, and I think I just kind of got burned out on it, which is so funny because that song is almost MIA due to the, so many songwriting issues with it that yep. we don't even see it on the kind of streaming platforms anymore. But in 2002, that thing was inescapable, and it kind of got played into the ground for me. Good song Absolutely. if I'm talking about it from a reviewer aspect, but it re- didn't really make my playlist. That's fair enough. I mean, it's not one of my go-to favorites, but it's still played a lot at parties and stuff, so you got to give it its its props. And it was a huge hit at the time. It was um, massive. Yeah, yeah. We had another interesting discussion recently, which Boys to Men song is best. of the, You know, I named their four biggest hits. Probably End of the Road, I'll Make Love to You on Bended Knee. And um, what was the other one? Uh, Water Runs Dry. Man, which one are you going with of those? Man, and I have talked, and this is another conversation that had come up on the Cypher pretty recently. Boys to men, younger listeners, and we've discussed this a little bit on the podcast. I don't think they get how huge Boys to Men were and how important they were to R&B. Because in 1994, they were the standard. 
the reason yep. R&B went mainstream was because of that album, that two album. And don't get me wrong, tons of others were able to kind of lean on that as well. But my gosh, that album was such a game changer. My favorite of the four, easily, is Water Runs Dry. I feel like that mm. of the four that all, of course, got huge play, that one just really resonated me with me more than others. But I play them all to this day regularly. What you I'll be with? honest. I'll be honest with you, man. I don't play any of them to this day. <laughs> I'm sure you don't. I play Motown Philly to this day. I like oh, up really? my up tempos. Okay, now that I didn't expect. I thought you were going to be all Kyle and be like, oh, Jodeci. Somewhere, uh, DJ Soulchild is smiling that I play a new Jack Swing song. How about that? <laughs> he, I'm sure that he'll be jumping into the comments to tell you how great you are. This one time. Oh, man. Hey, Ed, we got a few minutes left before we bring our guest in, and I'm really excited that we have Vivian Green joining us this week. Yeah. Um, and we'll definitely discuss some of our favorite songs. I know we're both big fans of her. We'll talk to her about some of that later on. Uh, we got a little bit of time left. Um, Want to give another shout-out to Case. He, sh- he celebrated his 20th anniversary of his second album, Personal Conversation. Now that, would you consider that a classic, Ed? Now you know... Your boy is very stingy when it comes to the classic designations. I will say that's his best album. I don't know if I call it a classic, but mm. easily his best album. Yeah. And then, you know, he's he's definitely a friend of ours. He's been really humble coming on the podcast a couple of times. He did the, the draft with us. That R&B draft was epic when we did that a few years ago. Remember that? Oh, my gosh. I'm still bitter about it because I came in dead <laughs> last. I was like, where is my soul and stereo cipher to boost me up? Everybody was hyped <laughs> off of Brian Angel and everybody else's pick. We got to do that again. Yep. That was a good time. We'll do something like that again. Um, and then one more shout-out. Mario Winans, his yes. second album, Hurt No More, celebrated its 15th. Man, we're getting old, Ed. We got 20-year <laughs> anniversaries, 15. Jeez. I remember when um, that single from that album debuted. I remember being in the gym and I don't want to know dropped hmm. and was like, who is? Because, of course, I was familiar with the beat. Now I was like, wait a minute, that's Mario Linus. So, gosh, you're making me feel like a grandpa. And is that song probably, I mean, first of all, that's probably one of the most vulnerable songs we've ever heard from a male R&B singer, I got to say. You say vulnerable, I say pitiful. I'm like, bro. Oh, my God. Come on, dog. Like, get it together, dog. Come on, Ed. It's tough times, man. You got to feel for the for the brother. I feel for him, but pick your bottom lip up off the floor. You're tripping on it. Good Lord. <laughs> you don't want to know that she cheating? Keep it on the low? No, tell me, player. Tell me. Listen, we're going to have Mario Winans on this podcast in a future episode, probably in the coming weeks. I always think about, when I think about Mario Winans, how sad he looked in the I Need a Girl Part 2 video, man. He just looked like he was going through it, man, rubbing his bald head. It was crazy. <laughs> I miss the days when my R&B singers were in videos rubbing their bald heads and staring at the floor. Those were vulnerable yeah. days. Now everybody's auto-tuning and you can't make out what they're saying. <laughs> Poor so, Mario. I-, I hope he found love. <laughs> We'll find out in a couple weeks, Ed, when we have them on the podcast. We got a few other guests we're working on. We got some exciting guests coming up, so that'll be good, man. We're gonna keep this thing rolling, keep these guests coming every every episode this year. We're gonna have someone who's been important to the R and B landscape over the past couple decades, so it'll be a good run. Man, man who do you who do you, th- is who do you think we need to see on here, Ed? You know who I wanna see? Well, everybody knows who I wanna see. The king well, himself. I want to see can... King Keith step through with his robe and glorious <laughs> crown and talking about his classics. But even besides that, I mean, there are so many younger artists. I'd love to see a, a lucky day come through. And I would like to mm. see some of R&B's kind of new Star Wars come through and talk about what they've got going on. Keeping the genre moving forward. Not just looking at the legends, but who's pushing it forward to. Absolutely. I, I would really hope we can get someone... And we're aiming high, too. I mean, a lot of these artists are not easy to track down, but, you know, we're making it happen. I really want to get someone like a Monica who's working on a project independently for the first time. You know, she would be someone great. I know people really want to see Joe on here. We'll try to make that happen. Um, so many, man. I mean, I'm just 
every episode has been a great conversation. It's, it's been crazy how some of these artists just, you know, they're just comfortable with us because we keep it real. We really appreciate them, and they just, you know, give us great interviews each time, man. I'm excited. I think they just like sitting and being fans. We're not asking them about drama. We're not asking them about dumb stuff. We're not asking them the same old questions that everyone else asked. We're all music fans first. Shout out to Eric Roberson. So we're all just talking about right. that and sharing the love of R&B. So I think everybody just likes having a conversation with their boys to sit down and chat. And that being said, let's get ready to introduce this week's guest. Excited to welcome this week's guest to the Soulback R&B podcast. This week we have an artist we've been supporting for many years now and has always shown us love. You know, someone who's consistently made some great R&B music, some songs we've loved over the years, and just timeless music. So excited to be speaking with Vivian Green today. Welcome, Vivian. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. Thank you for always Absolutely. supporting me through the years. Definitely greatly appreciated. Absolutely. You know, we before you joined the, the, the show, we were just really talking about your debut a bit and how uh, it hasn't really gotten the appreciation it deserves as, you know, a part of the neo-soul and R&B landscape, a love story. such a great album. Um, Ed, before we hear from Vivian, what did that album mean to you and to the landscape of R&B? Yeah, I think um, a lot of times on the podcast, we talk a lot about the changing sound of R&B in the early 2000s. And we, they're the albums that we always mention from Badu and Music and D'Angelo and lots of those great artists. But one thing that I feel like we always miss is a love story because that album, again, was part of that movement, that very soulful sound, and it gave us two or three really, really great singles. And it's one that from top to bottom is very enduring. So even though it doesn't get the shine that I feel like it deserves, I feel like that it's still a strong centerpiece for the building blocks of Neo Soul for that time. So Vivian, start us off. Tell us a little bit about how you think that the legacy of your debut, A Love Story, has an R&B. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, oh, I feel very differently about it than you guys feel. That's why I'm laughing. I'm like, how do I? Oh no! Um, why? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I ne. I ne. I never. Um, I've never called myself a neo soul artist because I never thought I was, and I always thought that's the reason why um, my first album never is kind of mentioned in that same um, respect mm. as other artists because I don't think a lot of hardcore neo-soul fans consider me to be neo-soul. And I I think they're right. And I think um, mm. my first album was, uh, was definitely produced in Philadelphia, which was a city that was doing a lot of the soul music at that time. But it didn't come out of the same, it didn't come out of a touch of jazz, like, you know, flow tree right. and music and, mm-hmm. and Jill. It didn't, it didn't come out of there. Um, not the same producers at all. And and I think, um, and they're great, by the way. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that the sound was, I think it was a bit different. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think the producers did probably feel a need to fit into the trend of whatever was going on at that time. Um, but me as a songwriter, like the way that I write songs at the at the piano uh, before I go into the studio with a producer, it's, I mean, they, it's so different from what, um, from what maybe, from what um, ended up being produced on, on my first album. And I think I've tried to correct that, like, later, like, okay, well, let's try to get, um, you know, some producers that understand me a little bit better musically, so... So my music can, you know, be properly um, um, executed in a way that I, I feel that it should have always been. It's very difficult when, you know, a publicist slaps a label on you and says you're this, and then there's right. like a lot of people saying, well, we don't really think she's that, and then it's like you just kind of don't know where to fit in, and I'm like, I don't really think I'm that either. So like, where, where, where do, where do you fit in? But then press is going, is going to always call me that forever, no, no matter what, you know, it's like you can't escape it, and you're like, well, and I always and I always say what I'm saying now, I never really thought I was, you know, when I think of some of, I love Erica Badu, like, love her to pieces, she is a queen of so many things, when I listen to me, 
and I listen to her, I don't hear anything similar. So I never understood why um, why, why people thought that. And I, I think a lot of times it's just association, I think. It's, you know, it's mm. just an association thing. People associate you with some people, so then that's what you are, and then that's it. And I, as a young artist, I definitely had issues with that. And a lot of people say, hey, you know, are you going to make an album that sounds like your first album? And I'm always like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think I've been trying to undo, you know, um, what happened on my first album when I, I wasn't as um, vocal, I, I wasn't as as, as um, uh, assertive, you know, to say, yeah, I don't want that, I don't want that. I kind of definitely let a lot of people come in and just kind of do things. And I'm like, okay, okay, if everybody likes it, fine, fine. You know, and then you have to explain why you're not something. And it's just, it's just trust me, it's very difficult. <laughs> right. Wow. And it's been my entire career. It's funny, I was just playing um, Emotional Roller Coaster on the piano the other day. I was showing Kwame the actual chords that I wrote for the song, which sound nothing like the chords that are on the record that you guys know. And he was like, wow, wow. that is really crazy. <laughs> that is so, crazy. yeah, so I know, I know, I know. It, it, it's actually um, pretty interesting because we just had Music Soul Child on the show last week and he or two weeks ago, and he said something similar with his debut album. We, we praised that album. And then he kind of said, you know, I wasn't really happy with that album either. So it's, it's interesting to hear artists speak like this, but I have to tell you, Vivian, when I, I hear a song... I album. I thought it was great. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I did. I love music's first album. His first, I, I mean, he makes great albums, this period. But I think sometimes when there is a, you know, a quote-unquote movement, I think a lot of times people mm. kind of get caught up in that, and then, you know, you, producers, you know, producers totally follow trends, you know, and so forth and so on. So you can just kind of get caught up in a sound, and then for the rest of your life, you have to tell you know, keep explaining why you want people to stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. They're like, but why? Aren't you the Neil Soul King or Quinn? You know, and it's like, no, I never was. It's like, you know, it's just very interesting to be an artist that grew up listening to everything, like everything. Right. I have so many influences. Um, people always talk about um, Philadelphia International music. I definitely love, so don't even get me wrong, <clears throat> my statement wrong that I'm about to say. Um, my my parents were more Motown lovers, so I didn't even get into the the sound of Philadelphia until I was an adult, honestly. Like, a lot of those records I didn't really get into until I was definitely, like, you know, out of high school <laughs> where I grew yeah. up. Like, I'm five years old knowing, like, every Supreme song and, you know, every, you know, Motown record ever made, every Holland, those are Holland. Like, you know, that's, like, my, you know, my upbringing but, um, yeah, so I didn't even get into that until later. But, like, it's like it's, if you say where you're from and who you might know, it's like people just automatically have, like, this whole template of who you are. And right. it's, it's, it's very difficult. I think that's why I've never – I don't think I've ever done well in press because I think early on I used to be, like, upset about it, you know. And, you know, you're <laughs> young. You don't really know how to, you know <laughs> – deal with right. the press yet and you kind of just going off of emotion and I think that I've always been like a little like defensive about it where now I'm it's, I, I can laugh now because this has been going on so long it's like funny now mm. <laughs> it's like I almost know what people are going to say before they say it like, your right. first album was you doing another album like you know like I can write the whole script and it's just it just is what right. it is it's funny it's funny that's why I laughed after you guys <laughs> Better what you said. Yeah. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me. But it's really. Me, um, mm -hmm. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Ed. No, you go so, ahead. Ed. Um, it was really interesting because, like, my, my follow up question, it all makes sense now because I always okay. wondered why, <laughs> from like the the subsequent albums, you know, we hit, you know, Beautiful and Vivid and the later albums sound so distinctly different from the uh -huh. debut. And I guess yeah. it's because that wasn't the true Vivian, and we got that later on. Like, that actually makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I think it makes sense for people who, you know, who have continued to follow and things like that. I also love um, um, uh, The Green Room. That's another album that I actually love. Yeah. Mm. It was it was soulful. <clears throat> but I don't think it was, you know, so, but it was very soulful, and it was still 
like some songs on there like Forever or like Faith that really kind of um, are supposed to be mine that really um, showcase like my songwriting and like big ballads that I kind of um, um, grew up writing. Like, <laughs> And um, I, I really loved it for that reason, but I think, um, you know, it just didn't get the right set up, you know. So, right. But, yeah, that's right. another one that I really like. Well, Vivian, let me just say another thing we talk about, especially when it comes to your sound. And we've been so impressed about how you transitioned to working with Kwame over your past two albums. And he's kind of brought a whole new energy to your sound, to your to your music, um, you know, on the Vivid and BG6 album. And we just love what you came with both those projects. So just talk oh, about, you know, how, you. how. Yeah, absolutely. And talk about how. You know, you've kind of been re-energized. I noticed, you know, it's more a bit more upbeat. And just how that whole setup is rolling out and how it's working for you. Yeah. So so um, in addition to the, the sound aspect of my first album, it was definitely a, a, a heartbreak body of work as well. Um, so oftentimes when people say that, oh, your first album – Sometimes they could be referencing the sound, but a lot of times they're also referencing the the heartbreak, you know, the <laughs> sad girl. Right, right. <laughs> um, writing. And, you know, a lot of people, someone's always going through something, so a lot of people just miss that. And that's another thing that I was trying to get away from. Like, okay, that was fine. That was like a real story about, you know, my first love. I wrote Emotional Roller Coaster when I was 19. So by the time it came out, it was like, what, three or four years old? And I'm like, okay, that was that. And, you know, now I'm just kind of really grown. And <laughs> and I don't right. see relationships the same way that I saw them when I was 19, 20, 21, and 22, which would be the years in which, you know, compositions on my first album were made between that, that time frame because half of, it, half of it was already made when I signed to Sony. You know that time because, you know, I did I have a lot of it with Eric Roberson, like a third of my first album. So a lot of it was already done. And so it's like it, it tells the story of like these few years of my life as a, as a very young girl or young woman and, and just going through the ups and downs of love. Everyone has that first big boom, you know, heartbreak that kind of shakes you. And that's what that was about. So to try to repeat something that really doesn't happen again. <laughs> right. Well, ho- well, hopefully it doesn't. <laughs> right. It's really difficult. You know, it, it's a difficult thing. Um, so I really wanted to, with Kwame, he, he definitely feels the same way. Like, you know, he expected me to come into the studio um and, like, be, like, a, a sad girl. He just got, like, sad and depressed just from my previous music, which is so funny to me. And so he's, like, so you are nothing like what I thought you were, um, and I think you should start to make music that reflects, like, who you actually are. You're fun. You laugh mm-hmm. a lot. You know, yep. you, you're crazy. And then nothing that I've listened to says that. So maybe if you want people to, to to feel that you are different from album one or two, then maybe you have to just really do something different, give them something completely different that you've never done before, different energy, different topics, everything. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. So um, I'm just so happy that he approached it in that way. You know, he wanted to do something different. He wanted, uh, in, in his words, he thought I needed a song to wake my fans up you know, who's talking about it. Because, you know, because there are a lot of people that are like, yeah, where's she been? She hasn't done anything since her first album. That was in 2003. It's so funny how people are. It, just, it, it makes me laugh, like, every day. But <laughs> right. like, no, I have, like, more albums than the one that you bought, and that's fine. But, no, I've always been a singer. I've always worked. I've always been on the road. Writing is just, you know, it's just not as huge as it was in the beginning, but still still sustaining, um, definitely, Um so he wanted a song that was going to wake those people up that think that I've been doing nothing since A Love Story. And uh, I do believe that's what Give Right Back to My Baby did. And also a lot of people, when they heard it, they didn't even know it was me. Like, oh, that's her. And I also mm-hmm. thought that was great as well. You know, I don't 
I think it's great for someone to hear me in a different way because my range is a wide range. Um, and that's not like that's myself on the back. I'm just saying I can sing pretty high and pretty low. And <laughs> But right. I don't think I've ever um, sang a song that started, you know, that high before. So people didn't even recognize that it that it was me, um, which is enough, which is refreshing in a way. Like, who's that? Oh, that you know what I mean. So, and that's what he saw. Like he saw like that whole story that actually happened on Miami. Like he pretty much predict, predicted it in the studio. Like, watch, people are gonna be like, right. who's that? And yep, I didn't know that was you. Oh my God, that's you. So yeah, <laughs> it definitely became a refreshing. Uh, song for for my career and for my fans. So yeah. absolutely. And you know, Vivian, something we talk about all the time is artists who um, kind of go trendy because they think that's the way to be successful. Obviously, you have not done that, and you've been successful. But Ed, let me hear from you. How have you seen Vivian evolve her sound and not have to sell out or go a more mainstream route? Well, it's funny. That's why I love these conversations, man. Getting to know Vivian and her story because, oh, quote, you know. No pun intended, getting to know her story because, you know, starting from the beginning and going into the most recent album, we do see like this more energetic sound. And while most people remember like the emotional roller coaster era where it's like really heartfelt and really going through some things, but then that tempo got turned up around 2017 or so. So I love that the music has evolved without. Like, we didn't see Vivian become a wannabe rapper and, you know, <laughs> right. auto-tuning all over the place. But her sound evolved, as she as said herself, as she kind of grew into that. Um, In your words, Vivian, why do you think, or how did you get to, and you answered this a little bit before with working with Kwame and having him bring that out of you, like the true Vivian that we're hearing now on the podcast. But how has that transition been? Because you were saying from jump you were kind of first album you were kind of in a space you didn't really want to be and now we're at like a 180 we're like seeing true vivian how was that shift for you as far as your um direction um wow what can, what can i that's such an interesting question you know what so can, can i premise it with 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 this and then and then i'll answer i don't know if there is an artist like that is published by a record company in some form or fashion that is exactly who they are, like mm-hmm. on the actual works that they put out. You know, because I, I always see artists as very, you know, complex people musically. Most of us are like super music lovers, and you know, especially especially in black music, it's like, yeah, you can't do that. You can only kind of do this. And you have to stay here. And the ones that cross over and get to do other things, like they're lucky and they get to do those other things. But those of us that don't, you kind of definitely have to stay in a certain vein, you know. And that's just kind of how how it is. So I don't mm-hmm. know if we, we will ever know any artists really. You know what I'm saying? I just want to say yeah. that for on behalf of all artists. <laughs> no, that's right. very important to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, I, I, first, we first Kwame and I definitely. Um, we, I don't think we work together. You know, like um, it, it's not the smoothest of um, <laughs> of process. It's wow. you know he's he's very um, he's 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 very very smart and he's been through a ton. Um, of things in the music industry. He's worn a bunch of different hats. And when he feels like he knows something, he's just very adamant about it, where I move off of emotion a lot, you know. He's like, look, that's, you know, forget C. We're talking about A and B here. So a lot of times, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, see you being emotional. I'm talking about one plus one equals two. And then, so sometimes his practicality of the music business itself is that I don't always have that, and he kind of can bring me back down to, like, okay, we, this is what we need to do to connect to people. Like, he, he'll always say, say, what does he say to me? It's so rude. Yeah. <laughs> he says, um, he says um, uh, I'll play him a song. He's like, Viv, those verses are way too long. You wrote that song for you. You didn't write that song for oh. anybody to like it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> no, but he's his delivery is 
very, very nice. He's not, not yeah. maybe not the exact voice in which I said it in, but it's like, you know, he has a way to say it and we laugh about it. But, you know, he's he's very practical in that kind of a way, if that makes sense. Right. So, um, so he kind of brings me there, and uh, I, I don't know, I, I guess I – because I respect him so much for all the things that he's been through and how he's come through um, the amazing things in this business and, you know, and still managed to be around, um, and you have to respect it. You know what I'm saying? You you totally have right. to respect it. Because Quan went through a lot of the same things himself as an artist, you know, when rap changed, you know, from fun rap to gangster, you know, he didn't necessarily know where he fit in there. So, you know, he can really relate to me as an artist, where most producers really can't. So he can just kind of talk to you in a, in a different way than what you've heard before. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you've never worked with a producer that was also an artist, which this is the first time I've, I've done that. So he just has so much insight. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, I don't agree with you, but let's try it, and then let's see. <laughs> right. <laughs> where before I was probably just like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> But I'm right. like, okay, let's try it and see what happens. But yeah, so um, he's really he's really been great at helping me to embrace um, fun, upbeat music. At first, I didn't think I wasn't against doing it, but I didn't think that my fans would want to hear it. So I just and he's like, I'm telling you, they will. You gotta trust me. You gotta trust me. They'll be happy and excited to see you doing something different and fresh. And I really didn't believe it, but I I did it anyway. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's important to. Trust who you're who you're working with. You know, I think that's really important because if I did not trust him in that sense, then get right back to my baby would have never happened. You know, right? So yeah. Well, so, let me just um, give you this really feedback, Vivian. I, I let me just say this, Vivian, because I don't know how much you pay attention to a lot of the R and B coming out, but a lot of it feels uninspired. It's just a little boring. Like what you're coming with is like a classy evolution of your music. It's classy. It's grown. And it's fun. It, it it feels fresh. And I think you guys make a great pairing of making music together. Like songs like I Don't Know. Like we were grooving in that song. It was one of our favorite songs a couple of years ago. Like what you're coming with just feels so. Together too. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Your music one. is just I, so inspired. You know, that's what's good about it right now. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. When he first made that beat, I was like, um, and this happened with a, with a few songs that we've done, like uh, work and um, uh, uh, sunglasses. Like I'm, I was like walking to the studio, and I'm like, oh my god, I love this. Who's that for? Mm. <laughs> so that's what. <laughs> in my mind, it's like that can't possibly be for me. Like I'm, you know, I don't know how I would pull that off. You know, so I, I love. The music that I don't know. I I thought he did like an amazing job. I like that better than Get Right Back to My Baby. Just overall, mm. through all the elements, I thought it was just an amazing record. And he's like, "Yeah, no, this is for you." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, cool. he does that. So. <laughs> cool. You know, uh, before you came on the air, we were just talking about our favorite Vivian Green songs. And Ed, what did you say is your favorite Vivian Green song? Well, I had a couple and. Vivian's going to get me because I'm going back to Love Story, but my two <laughs> okay. favorites. As long as I get to say my favorites, too, that's okay. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you, you do. Yes, you definitely get to. So okay. my two favorites, I have I have two is cheating, but What is Love from the first album. I just mm-hmm. love how, I just wish y'all did a video of you just standing on stage in like some smoky nightclub, just like <laughs> thing. I love the vibe of that song. Mm-hmm. And then the second joint I love, and again it goes back to like you were saying, the sad girl. But you do it so well, curse. <laughs> that was my joint in 2006. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so funny. You know, I I love curse. Um, James Poison produced that, and a lot of that uh, Vivian album too. I really really loved working with James. Um, I think he, uh, I think he understood me like in the and, and he understood me musically in in a certain sense and I really did like working with him a, a whole lot songs like under my skin from that album I love that record um um cursed yeah um but yeah what is love so you know Eric Roberson wrote most of that yep. song so I never like to take yep. full credit for for it <laughs> yeah but I, I I love I love what is love I that's probably 
I don't know. That could that might be the best. I don't know. What is love? Final hour or no sitting by the phone? They may be the best tracks on that first album for me. Oh, for me. yeah, no sitting by the phone. That's another one. Yeah, you got to shout out no sitting by the phone. That's my joint too. <laughs> I got to shout out wishful thinking from that album. I love that song too. Oh yeah, wishful thinking is cool. Yeah, but What is Love is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. If, if you look at my iTunes, it's one of my most played. Just because the feeling, when that piano comes on, it's like you're yes. hitting feelings and emotions, you know? It's like you don't get that yeah. in too many songs, you know? Yeah, so that's no, why I, I love think that one. It was, I think it was um, done, you know, written and produced very, very well. And, you know, we do it at pretty much every concert. If it's, like, only me on the bill, I'm going to definitely do What is Love at some point. Because I know fans really love... Um, um, the, your your two Ed um, Curse and What Is Love, so we definitely yes. always um, do them because we know people love them. So yeah, yeah. I'm gonna hit, I'll hit you with one more, uh, and this is from the Vivid album. This one, it's the one that got away. I just love the vibe of that song. Oh, I love that one too. Thank you. <laughs> That's a cool one. Yeah, yeah. I love the one that so. got away. Yeah, that's cool one song. of the very first songs that uh, Kwame and I did. It might be the first song we ever did together. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so what what did you say your choices were for your, your favorite songs? How many do I have? <laughs> <laughs> you got you to do two like we did. Yeah, we did two. You two. Do two. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I can do two. I'll just, I don't know. Never mind. I don't want to be in this. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Fine. That's hard. Well, all right. Yeah. Um, Vivian, um, you you did mention off the air that you're working on some new music. Is there anything you can tell us about um, what you've got going on? Um, I don't think so yet. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think so yet. We're definitely but working yeah. with Kwame in a new project. Yes, for sure. So okay, we're definitely cool. doing the long, hard hours in the middle of the night. So, yeah, it it's it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, yeah. it's coming. Yeah. Cool. Let me ask you this. Um, on we'll the podcast of music. before the summer is over. Mm-hmm. So there should definitely be okay. something out. No. Like in, you know, yeah, within between now and September, there should definitely be like a single out for sure. So, cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We're looking yeah. forward to that. How do you feel? How do you guys? You know, as an independent artist, how's the pressure to, um, you know, get the music heard? I know it's so hard these days for artists to get their music out there and heard. Like, what's your guys, um, know. you know, take you on know, that? You have to use a, you, use a, you know, um, um, what, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. So much came to my mind when you said. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's great to be. Um, distributed by a company that's in the universal system because right. um, it gives us access to their promotion team, which is their whole radio department, which really works out really well for us. So that part is really great, still kind of being connected in a way. And the other uh, parts, I think, are great as well because I don't have to worry about so many people's opinions for like, hey, this is the the cover picture I like for myself, and then uh-huh. funny other people have to approve it. Like I always hated that, you know. I think I know how I look best. Like I don't want to hear what someone else has to do. Right. <laughs> terrible. But like, no, not just me. No, that's like, fair. You know, the, obviously, the photographer, obviously, you know, like, but there's always like so many cooks in the kitchen about just simple things, you know, cover art or fonts and that kind of stuff. I definitely do not miss at all because it's just it's just red tape that doesn't matter but you have to go right. through when you're in a, a big system. So, you know, um, in that respect, um, it's great to be <laughs> to be yeah. independent. And also with the album making process, it's just, just like a, you know, just like cover art, it's the same thing. Like, you know, a bunch of people have to decide, you know, their opinions on what they think. And, and now it's kind of, we definitely share with the promotion staff that we work with because they're going to be working it. So we want them to, um, believe in it and feel that it's something that they can get going. And mm-hmm. as long as he and I like it, you know, it's, so I, I think it's been working, honestly. My singles with Quam have done a thousand times better than um, any single I've had since Gotta Go, Gotta Leave. So I don't think right. that it's been hurting. 
That is better right. than not having so many cooks in the kitchen, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. I don't miss that part, but of course you miss the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that always you helps, miss right? The huge budgets and things like that. But honestly, even with that said, but you miss that someone else is paying for it, it always comes back to you in the end, and you're paying for it ultimately at the end. And when I look at, like, my, my very first video, my second video, and my current videos, like, I don't even think they look better. I'm like, I don't know what's happened. Like, <laughs> everything from uh, yeah. iTunes, everything is cheaper now where, like, a video that was $25,000 in 2002 is only going to cost $7,500 to make now. So, And it's going to look better right. because, you know, technology has advanced since then, and, it's, you know, it's going to be more crisp and it's going to be HD. And it's, it's just amazing, like, wow, that much was spent on this, and look at this. Uh, this photo shoot costs this much. This one costs a lot less, but it's just as amazing. So, you know, you I think you get more into, like, what things cost. Where, like, when I was at Sony, I didn't necessarily think about what anything was costing, which was stupid. But, you know, hey, I was 22. What did I know? So, <laughs> but now I think about what everything costs, and, you know, and I try to be very cost efficient. And, you know, we, we, we both do. So, um it's it's very interesting to to be um, on so many different sides of your own career that you really weren't on initially in the beginning. Because you know when you're at a right. major league, they they tell you everything's okay and you're fine, and they're gonna call you a car and they'll take care of it and they'll deal with it, and you just go to sleep and be a, be an artist. You know they they literally say things like that, and it's like, well, it's not fine. I want to know. I want to see how much money you spend on that and what you know. But <laughs> when you're young, you don't know to do that, and you're kind of afraid because you feel like everything is so new and you don't know anything and everybody's so much smarter than you and they know more about the business than you and how dare you ask them a question about this, that, or the other. It's mm. very wonderful to not, you know, feel that way, you know, again or ever again for that matter. So, yeah. Right. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Vivian, we're, we're pretty much just out of time. Uh, anything you'd oh, like okay. to add for us? Anything else you want to say? Me? Yeah. Me? Anything you want to oh, add, Alan, not- or... <laughs> I, I, I think I've said a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really appreciate you. Uh, you've been a great guest, Vivian. We really appreciate you, and uh, we'll continue to celebrate you, and, and we're looking forward to the new music. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for always supporting me. I really appreciate you guys a ton, and if you yeah. guys still love a love story, that's all right with me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're going to continue. To... For you. <laughs> I always do songs from it in the show. So if you ever come, I hopefully you won't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Vivian, thanks so much again. We'll talk to you soon. All right, and that was Vivian Green, an amazing guest for us here on the Soulback R&B podcast. And here you were, Ed, thinking she was some sad girl crying at home. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think that. <laughs> but it's it was. That, that was a really enlightening conversation because... For those of us who were around in 02, Vivian was always cast as a neo-soul artist. If you go to Wikipedia page, I'm sure it says neo-soul artist Vivian Green. And her first album, it's weird, just sounds completely different than her other stuff. And it's because it's not really the album she wanted to make. So it was, it was really enlightening to learn that these artists that a lot of times fans fall in love with, it's not always the music that they want to put out, and it only takes them a while to find themselves in their footing before they can give us who they truly are, and that's kind of been her journey. So that's been a very, very enlightening conversation. Yeah, we're starting to realize, you know, as we do these podcasts and as these artists keep it real with us, a lot of them were influenced by the label who kind of forced their hand to make the music, even though we love the music. You know, it had a big impact in our lives. The artist wasn't necessarily happy with it. You know, it's unfortunate to hear those stories, but I mean, I, I guess, you know, we got good music out of it. I don't know. How do you take that? I mean, I, I understand it's pros and cons. On one thing, on one hand, you have a piece of work that will forever be tied to you, that people will always herald and uplift and say, this is the best. But then on the other side, it's kind of like, well, I didn't even like that. So I see right. where artists kind of struggles because they're like, I'm glad it did well, but I don't really feel like that's me or I don't really like it. But as a fan, as a consumer, I'm still rocking a love story. That's still my joint and it's still full of songs I love. And I like the new stuff, too. So I'm glad that I can continue to support her through supporting her music. But man, right. man, Vivian, you don't like my favorite album. <laughs> 
You know, I found it interesting she acknowledged the fact that she'll bump into fans and say, how come you haven't released an album since like 2006 or something? Which, oh, boy, you know, that, does that sound familiar? Oh, yes, my it does. Yes, it does. But hey, you know, you weren't around for the podcast with music, but he made a good point. He said, you know, social media, you could have 100,000 fans, but with the way they have algorithms, only about 5,000 will see your posts. So if you're not finding creative ways to promote your stuff, man, it's like these social media sites will shut you down. No one's going to know you have an album coming out. Well, it's something that I have really seen. I think when the last, when was the last Drake album? I think it was last year, whenever it was. That album that was terrible, that Scorpion album. And people were messaging me and sending me screenshots where, like, songs from that album were showing up in gospel playlists, R&B mm. playlists. They're like, what on earth is happening? It's the monstrous algorithms, and, and they're just throwing these songs out there. There are some artists you can't escape. Meanwhile, they're... Vivian Green fans out here that thinks that she has one album in 2003. Like, it's very weird time in the music world. But that's why we're here to bring truth to the conversation. Absolutely. Man, I was just listening back to our RL podcast, man. I, I love that one. He's a, he's a good dude, great guy, friend of ours, man. But just, like, hearing how he talks about how the hatred he gets from people who say, oh, you fell off or... You guys are washed up, or you only had two hits. Like, man, that stuff is so hard to hear, and we're trying to fight that. We're trying to fight those stigmas. We're trying to break those barriers down and get people to celebrate these artists. Ed, we need to celebrate. Look, player, this is not – Kyle isn't here, but this is the time where I go on my weekly rant, and if you got beef, send it to E.T. Bowser. You want to know the perfect example of what you're talking about. Look no further – than these bandwagon Nipsey Hustle fans. I know this is an R&B podcast. We talking rap for a minute because I got a point to make. So hold on. Here's my issue. We wait to celebrate an artist when they're gone. Last, well not last year, earlier this year when we were having discussions about the Grammys and we were saying what should be up for best rap album. And everybody and their mama was screaming to the high heavens that Cardi B had the best thing ever. But it was only because she was the most hyped. And I was saying there were two albums on that list that were way better. Pusha T's Daytona, Nipsey Hussle's Victory Lap. And what did everybody say when I mentioned Nipsey? Harpo, who this? I don't know who that is. He ain't nobody. He must have, oh, this is some no-name rapper. And now, six months later, everybody wearing airbrush tees. We got to support talent while we have it and hop off these bandwagons. Dipsy can't be on the bandwagon now that he can't see it. I wish that when we have talented artists like RL and Vivian and so many others who are out here grinding that we support them. We don't wait until they're gone and then we start talking about how great our elements was or how next switch had your favorite songs ever. But when he's out here grinding, he fell off and ha ha. If you're supporting the music, support the music. Support the artists who have done it. Now, if the artist is putting out garbage, okay, it's fair to say. But the artists that we've mentioned today have been consistent. They have evolved and they have continued to give us quality music. It might not be hyped on Twitter. They might not be shaking it and doing cameos with the city girls and little baby in there. <laughs> but the point is, the good music is there. If you're a fan of what we're talking about, if you're listening to this podcast, support good music. The end. Man, Ed, speaking of bandwagon, so I got I got a bone to pick with you, man. Ugh, feel free. I noticed, I noticed you jumped on the bandwagon of an artist recently. That I had who never seen you talk about before. Hmm, which, who, what artist would that be? I had never even heard of this artist until I seen everyone screenshotting the album cover of her sitting there naked. This artist oh my is Lizzo. 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 Oh, first of all, T, this shows <laughs> you need to go back and read soulandstereo.com and see my album review of Lizzo's um, new release, Cause I Love You. Lizzo is not new. She's been around for like five or six years. My wife was actually a big fan of hers. And I never really listened. Just being honest. See, do you need to... Lessons that me and Tom can talk to you brothers about because we're married men. Sometimes you got to listen to the wife. Because she's been <laughs> on her forever. And I was just like, eh. 
I just not that I thought she was bad. I just didn't really pay her any attention. But when her single dropped in January, I was a big fan. Listened to the album. The album's pretty great. One of my favorites of the year. So no, that's not bandwagon jumping because bandwagon jumping would be somebody who came out of nowhere, said this is the best artist ever. Yes, quoting everything, photos all over the screen. You go to Soul and Stereo, I'll tell you it was hot. The album's hot. Wifey was right. All right, there you go. Maybe I'll even make my wife listen to it. We'll see her reaction. Yeah, but Marlene might like it. You won't, but Marlene might like it. <laughs> um, speaking of things I won't like, excuse me, Kyle, but this Millennium Tour keeps rolling on. Ooh, that was a low blow. <laughs> listen, I, I gotta give it. this tour. Pro- I gotta give this tour props though. It's doing really well. I love the fact they're bringing out special guests at every stop, man. It's it's actually, I don't think we've seen something like this in a long, long time in R&B. I think we see no. that in hip-hop. In yes. hip-hop a lot we see that. But it's like whoever's town and city they're in, young or old of an R&B artist, they're bringing that guest out. I just think that's awesome, man. I would, I would love to see more of that. And I think we've discussed this at, you know, in previous years, honestly, on the podcast. I hate that R&B has such... When it comes to things like this, I feel like the artists are so divided. And maybe that might not be true, but it's certainly what it looks like on the surface. Because hip-hop, for the most part, will celebrate. If they're in town, they'll drag DJ Khaled and his raggedy baby on stage or whatever else is going on. Because raggedy they are kind of... So- oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> Let's listen, leave the kids that- out of this. The baby need to stay at home. Stop bringing the baby <laughs> on the stage. He always looks like he's sleeping. So... <laughs> The thing is, they're always good to shout out who is there. And a lot of times we don't see that in R&B artists. We need some more of that unity because not only does it remind us, hey, the artists that we're talking about, they're still out here doing stuff. They're still alive. They didn't fall in the hole after 2003 or whatever. So they're still here. They're still relevant. Maybe they get to do, you know, a song or two, get to do their thing. But this allows them to celebrate just the culture, not just the person. That's why the Millennium Tour has been somewhat successful because it's not just the B2K reunion, although that's the big headliner. But you've got the hip-hop artists from the era. You've got the other R&B artists from the era. And we're bringing back some people from locally who are still doing their thing, whether it's Keith or anybody else who's in town. We're going to show them some love, too. That's the unity we've been pushing for in R&B. And I hate to give Kyle props, but... Millennium is always getting it right. Yeah, hundred percent. And I can tell you, in the past, you know, since I've been covering R and B in New York City over the past ten years or whatever it's been, I've been to hundreds of shows, right? Performances. Yeah. It's probably been about one percent of the time where I've ever seen an artist bring out another artist. Like I can remember distinctly when it happened, and I've always wondered, like, why does that? This is New York City. People are always here doing stuff it just never happens man it's just sad i mean i can't speak for them but i don't know if it's just an opportunity where these artists are like look this is my time to shine i don't want somebody stealing my thunder i don't know what it is but i'm glad that we're seeing more of it because if we want the genre itself what artists need to realize is when the genre itself thrives everybody thrives if we were in 2000 we talked earlier about um boys and men it was 1994, and everybody hating on boys and men. Blah, 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 blah. Why are they doing this and that? When those dudes ate, all of R&B got a seat at the table. So we yep. should be lifting up these artists so these songs, this genre that we love, will be able to be elevated to another spot. And we don't have our favorites out here pretending to be rappers. I ain't going to name them names. <laughs> and I'm going to take this a step further, Ed. You know what I would like to see? So, we all love this John B. and Donnell Jones single, right? Yeah. I would like to see them. There's so much excitement about it, except some few random people who said it was too slow or snoozy. I don't know who said Mm. that. They don't matter anyway, right? (laughs) (laughs) But, But the point is, I would like to see them release a second single. I would like to see them do a joint EP, a joint tour. Like, that would bring excitement, man. That would bring people out. That's the type of excitement we need. When that single was announced... Man, people were like, wow, you know, that's you know, one of the most exciting things we've seen in a while. We need to keep this stuff going. 
Well, take it be take it a step before that. People were hyped when they were performing. What was the the show that they were performing on? Was it the um, Soul, Soul Train, Train Awards. Awards? Yeah, like yeah. seeing them together there is when the buzz started. That proves that what we've been saying R and B, as much as people the naysayers say, is not dead. People are hungry for that sound, and there's a younger generation that's starting to discover. Just like my generation when we got older and started discovering Motown. Like, there's a younger generation to discovering these 90s artists. And they're like, oh, my God, they're incredible. Sure will sound better than this garbage on my radio. <laughs> so this is an opportunity for them to get lifted up. So when we see a Donnell and a John B together, and now they got a song together, why not do a tour together? Why not put out an EP? It don't have to be long. Four or five songs. Right. Exactly. Put a couple on your two individual albums. Come out with two solo projects that you can hype up on the tour. Go sing some of your classes. Sing your Hey Pretty Girl and your um, Stevie Wonder cover on your tour. Do your thing. <laughs> but this, again, allows two for the price of one. We get two artists to blow up, and that's how we get some legs under this genre again. Absolutely. So we're almost out of time, man. I'm going to bring up one more topic for you before we get out of here. I want your opinion on this. This post I made on Instagram really created some drama. People were upset. People were oh, saying, how could someone say that? That's stupid. So I think I someone, well, someone in the industry recently told me that R&B music is the new jazz music in terms of it's fading from the mainstream. You know how jazz mm-hmm. used to be huge and is fading. Now that's yeah. R&B. I said it's hard to argue with that statement. And people were up in arms about that. So how do you view that as someone who's highly informed in all things R&B? I don't think it's a... I'm not going to say it's a perfect comparison, but it's pretty daggone close. Um, I don't <laughs> think that... I think maybe people are freaking out because they're thinking of kind of like the mainstream... Throw. Well, first of all, people are probably talking about a genre they're not really familiar with. Like, most of the people on your page are going to be entrenched in R&B. You probably don't have that much knowledge of jazz and its history and what it's doing currently. That's why I get pissed at these people that's trying to comment on a country charts on that stupid little, what's the little Nas X guy? Like, play, you don't know no country, shut up, stay in your rap lane. But again, Mm -hmm. people are kind of talking about stuff that they don't really understand. When we look at jazz, even in the 90s, I remember there still being pretty prominent jazz stations on the radio and jazz was my brother is three years younger than me and he's a much bigger jazz fan than I am he can speak to this better but jazz is starting to see a resurgence now but it had went through some really rough times and a lot of those rough times are very eerily reminiscent of what R&B has gone through the difference is R&B has stayed a little bit in the spotlight because we've had artists like Rihanna and Adele and Sam Smith, who aren't even really R&B, but kind of get tagged a little bit. So we kind of by osmosis, like, oh, we're still doing its thing because it's still on this high profile. Not really R&B, brother, so you can't really count that. But I think that people are missing the point in their love of R&B, which we all do love. But when we look at the down signs and the, the the kind of peaks and valleys that jazz has experienced. Jazz is on to come up a little bit. R&B is on to come up a little bit. I think it's very similar. Not directly, because I don't think the lows of R&B hit the lows of jazz. But no, that's not that comparison is a lot closer than people are saying. Right. And uh, I'll save the rest of this discussion for next week, because people are coming at me with, no, R&B as big as ever. We got Ella May and her and Queen Nyjah and all these people saving it. Ugh. We'll save that for when Kyle's back next week. It will pick this up. <laughs> Why did we? <laughs> way we sighed at the same time. Look, yeah, y'all. I did. love, I love Queen Nyjah, whatever her name is. But come on now, you gonna compare that to the Mary J's? And and I'm not even talking about talent. I'm talking about profile. You can't compare that to the heights of R&B 20 years ago, even 10 years. ago. <laughs> Like, where's the Alicia Keys? Where's the Ushers? Where's the Neos? We aren't at that height right now. And that's fine. We're in a rebuilding stage. But y'all stop. Be serious. Let's wait for Kyle to come back. He can chime in on that because I know he loves those artists. But until then, we're going to give him the Play a Please Award for this week. 
just for not being here, and he's not here to defend himself, so he's getting the play, please. Well, it's nice to have a podcast with somebody hasn't mentioned Ashanti four times. <laughs> so, Ed, what's going on with Soul and Stereo? Well, um, we mentioned some of the uh, Soul and Stereo news a little bit earlier. Go check out my review of Lizzo. Um, there was some controversy that she stirred up earlier this week because she got, I guess she got a poor review from somebody. And she kind of went nuts and said, if you don't make music, you don't have the right to review stuff. Obviously, she won't talk about me because she shared my review. But that's a rant for another time. Look, if you are a fan, you have a right to express your love or your dislike for music. So check out that review of Lizzo. I do think it's one of the better albums of the year. Also, we I this is by fan request. I took a chance and took a stab at ranking the best Brandy albums. Brandy, of course, one of the most Mm. beloved artists here on the podcast and among our listeners. So I went through all six albums, ranked them from worst to first. Check those out on soulandstereo.com. Nice, man. We got to get Kyle to chime in on that Brandy uh, article. I know he's a big fan. You know it. Yep. So you know I got soul. Not too much new. Uh, this week, like I said, it's been a slow week for new music, so definitely check out the social media. We got a lot of good discussion going on. Um, chime in there, let us know what you think. Um, and then uh, I think that's it for this weekend. I think that's it. Now, I don't know what you're gonna do with the rest of your evening, but I'm gonna go pull up Vivian's hated album and let that thing serenade me to sleep because I still love it. Absolutely, one of the great albums of that era what is love such a dynamic song man and uh man i might just have to do the same ed <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll check we'll check in with each other in the morning right yeah i have to pour some out for um for vivian she's probably over there like y'all listening to that trash but don't worry we still love it yeah absolutely so until next week we're out see you later ed all right players <laughs>